Finally, my brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the peace of God will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would come right now. And make the message and the words clear and give us understanding of it in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing I'm going to need this morning is a volunteer. I'd like, I'm assuming everybody in here can hold a toothbrush, brushes their teeth. That's my assumption. But I need someone that might know a little bit about toothpaste. Can I have somebody come and help me? Okay, Chris, thank you for volunteering. Come on up, buddy. Thank you. Come on up here. Come on up here. Okay. So... Chris, do you brush your teeth? I do. You do? Did you brush them this morning? No, I brush them at night. Oh, okay. <laughs> what is that right there? That is Colgate Optimized. That's Optimized right. Toothpaste. Okay. So you know how this works, right? Yeah. Okay, I want you to take that toothpaste right there, and I want you to thread me up. Okay. Chris, what does that look like to you? That looks like toothpaste and a toothbrush. Are you sure? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. What color is it supposed to be? Um, white. Optic white. What color is it? It's black. Okay, it's black, Chris. Now, I know that you work for a builder. It's not. I know you work for a builder. So let me do this here. What does that smell like? That smells like cock. Yeah, it smells like what? Cock. Smells like, smells like axle grease, Chris. <laughs> that is axle grease. There's axle grease in this tube of Colgate. Chris, how did that get in there? Uh, you put it in there. That's exactly right. You may sit down. <laughs> this tube of Colgate has axle grease in it. And when you rub it on the plate, it smells like axle grease. And Chris is right. It got in there because I put it in there. You see where we're going with this? The passage for us today is Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. And it says, finally, brothers... Whatever is true and pure and lovely and commendable, think on these things. Put them in your mind. What you put in your mind is what is in there, and that's what comes out. This is Colgate unless I take it out and put something else in there, and now it's axle grease. I want to look this morning at why it matters what we put in our mind. What happens when we put stuff in our mind, how it gets in there, and how it changes your life. Now, the letter to Philippians we've been looking at for a couple months now, the letter to the Philippians is filled with references to what happens in your mind. In chapter 1, verse 3, Paul says, Every time I remember you, well, that's an activity of the mind. Paul's thinking about them. Maybe he's going to pray for them, and he thinks about them. It's an activity of his mind. Chapter Chapter 1, verse 7, he says, I have you in my heart. And we know all through the Bible that heart and mind are interchangeable. And we use those separately. This morning in our scripture that we read, it said that when the enemy camps around me, my heart will not be afraid. That means I won't be afraid. In my mind, I won't be afraid. Chapter 1, verse 9, Paul prays for their love 
to abound in knowledge. Knowledge is in your mind. Chapter 1, verse 12. Paul says, I want you to know, and then he tells them what he wants them to know. That's in your mind. Chapter 1, verse 13. Paul says, it has become clear. That means their minds have understood it. Chapter 1, verse 14. Brothers and sisters, you have become confident. Where's confidence come from? Confidence comes from interpreting your circumstances, processing it through what's in your mind, and having an attitude or a mindset. Chapter 1, verse 15. Paul says, it is true that. He's talking about truth. Chapter 1, verse 16. Knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. That's a mental exercise to defend the gospel. That's a short list, and that's just chapter 1. And then chapter 2, very familiar verses. The Bible says, if there's any encouragement, if there's any comfort of love, if there's any common sharing in the Spirit, make my joy complete and be like-minded. If there's any encouragement, you know what encouragement is? That's words from your mind to my mind. If there's any comfort of love, what is that? It's love expressed to each other through words. If there's any common sharing in the Spirit, because of the Spirit of God, we're able to share. What is that? It's sharing words from God in truth through the Spirit to each other. The word there for sharing is koinonia, and it means helping, contributing, sharing fellowship and communion. And then Paul says, chapter 2, verse 2, then make my joy complete by being like-minded and by being of the same Mind, over and over again, we have this reference to our mind. What's it mean to be of the same mind? You know what 1 Corinthians 2.16 says? It says, beloved, that you and I, 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, you and I have the mind of Christ. Fascinating to me that as the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and takes truth and we process it like these, all these examples from Philippians chapter one, that we begin to have the mind of Christ and the way we process events and circumstances and life and hurts and disappointments is the way that Christ would because we are growing into having a mind of Christ. You can be sure That if you are growing your mind to be the mind of Christ, it will not be an accident. That doesn't happen accidentally. That happens intentionally. The scriptures, the word of God from cover to cover beats the drum of the importance of your mind and what you think. Thanksgiving starts in your mind. So does rejoicing and love and kindness and peace. It all starts in your mind. You know what else starts in your mind? Fear, worry, anxiety, jealousy, pride, and on and on. It starts in your mind. Philippians continues, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. Verse 7, Paul says, what was gained to me, I now consider a loss. Consider is to reason out. I've calculated both sides of the equation and what I used to think was valuable, I don't think it's valuable. I consider that's loss to me. 
Chapter 3, verse 10, I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know it. Chapter 3, verse 13, I forget what is behind. Chapter 3, verse 19, Paul, speaking of the enemies of the cross, now flips it upside down. And he's not talking about the minds that are filled with good stuff. He says those people who are enemies of the cross have their minds set on earthly things. Do not be that person. You will be an enemy of the cross. It also hints to us already that you can determine what you set your mind on. Chapter 4, verse 2. Jake preached on chapter 4 last week. Where do we start in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2? I plead with these two ladies, what? To get happy, to forgive each other, to overlook the grievances? No, I plead with them to be of the same, say it, mind. All over the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord starts in your mind. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to look at this circumstance. I'm going to process it through the Bible. I'm going to be happy in God. I'm going to rejoice in my circumstances. Chapter 4, verse 6, do not be anxious, but pray and petition with thankfulness. Let your request be made known to God. And then... Verse 7, chapter 4, verse 7 from last week with Pastor Jake. Then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Oh, I want that. The peace of God. Peace is a state of mind, not a set of circumstances. Get that. Peace is a state of of mind, not a set of circumstances. If you think, if just this would happen, I would then have peace. It's a lie. It's not true. You can have peace no matter what happens in your life. Read the Bible. If you can have peace as a perfect Lamb of God, a sinless man in man's body, if you can have peace going to be crucified on a cross for sins that you did not commit, if you can have peace in that situation, you can have peace in any situation that you and I will face if we have the mind of Christ. So the Bible says in verse 7, the peace of God, peace is a state of mind, not a set of circumstances, which transcends all understanding. This is a level of peace that while you see that you have it, it blows your mind. You can't even understand. Understand how you can be at peace in these circumstances. We'll guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. This guarding is from the word froneo, uh, excuse me, uh, froreo. It's the word for a group of soldiers that gathers around a fortress or something. And it's a group of soldiers that locks arms with their weapons with the intent to protect this structure person being whatever, froreo. And the Bible says if we can do what the passage says right here, that this will guard our hearts and minds. It will guard it. Everyone wants peace. The peace of God, if we follow this text, will set up camp around our minds and protect them from wrong thinking. You know what we read this morning on the... In the introduction, Psalms 27, verse 3, I wrote it down as we read it. Though an army encamp against me, my heart will not be afraid. Put those two together. You know what we get? No matter what the enemy has planned for you, no matter how the enemy camps against you and what destruction Satan schemes of in your family, in your life, in your church, in your children, in your heart, no matter what the enemy schemes, though an army encamp about me, my heart will not be afraid. Why? 
Because God's army camps around my mind and the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of peace that comes into my mind protects me from that enemy. And then in our text today, finally, brethren, he said it 25 different ways already, hasn't he? Talking about your mind. He's already said it 25 different ways. He says it again. Finally, brothers, he's talking about a conclusion. He's wrapping it up and he's saying, let me put it all together for you. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything praiseworthy, think on these things. Wow. That's quite the summary. I want to do that. I want to know how to do that. I want to know what happens when I do that. Paul says, If we can learn to think about the right things, we can set up an active guard, phroreo. We can set up an active guard around our minds to protect us from all kinds of destructive thinking. Genesis chapter 3, very early in the Word of God, Eve is in the garden, the great distorter of truth, the great liar. He lied to Eve. He lies to me. He lies to you. Satan came along. He tempted Eve, told her some lies about something that was hanging there on the tree. And Eve looked up at that fruit and she reasoned in her mind that, well, it looks like it'd make me a little smarter. It looks like it'd be pretty good to eat. And Eve made a decision based on her thinking and she ate the fruit, gave it to her husband And the rest is history. You have a sin nature today. You were born with it because of that exercise which resulted from Eve having false logic. And she listened to Satan's lie and she committed that sin. And we have a sin nature today because of that. Genesis chapter 6, verse 15. We're only six chapters into the book of Genesis. We're only six chapters in and God looked down at earth and the Bible says God looked at the man that he had made and realized that every thought and imagination of his mind was evil. Every thought, every imaginable thought and action in his mind was evil. Genesis chapter 6 verse 15. And then Proverbs 23 The Bible ties the heart and mind together and it says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And we know they're connected. We know that when the Bible talks about heart, my heart won't be afraid. It doesn't mean that the thing beating in my chest isn't going to be fearful. It might beat faster when I'm a little afraid, but it means something to do with my mind. The heart and the mind are tied together. Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Listen, you are not who you think you are. You are not who I think you are. You are not who you tell me you think you are. You are what you think about. You're not who you think you are. You're not who I think you are. You're not who you tell me you are. You are becoming and you are what you think about. Beloved, guard your minds. If you want to change who you are, change what you think about. I argued with my wife several months ago about this. We were talking about something. And I stressed to her and I said, Heidi, look, people don't change. I said that out loud. That was wrong. Okay. I said, people don't change. She pushed back. I said, nope, people don't change. I was wrong. 
You hear me? I was wrong. People change all the time. Do you know how they change? They change their thinking. They change their mindset. And it changes their life. Oh, I want that for me. And I want that for you. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and following says it so well. That those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. And the mind of sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit, my mind, I want that. That, life, that mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace all over the Bible. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 23 says that you are to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 1 Peter 1 verse 13 says to prepare your minds for action. This word prepare is to gird it up and to strengthen it. How does that happen? It's the way you work a muscle. How do you strengthen a muscle? You use it over and over and over again. So if you're to gird up your mind, if you're to prepare your mind, if you're to strengthen your mind, how do you do it? You practice over and over again of taking a lie of Satan or something that's not true or honorable or not just or not right, and you practice putting truth in that and thinking the right thing. And the more you do that, the stronger that muscle of your mind will get. That's why the Bible can say, gird up your minds, prepare your mind, strengthen your mind. Mark chapter 7, the Pharisees asked Jesus why his disciples are eating with ritually unclean hands. When I think of Pharisees, I think of wah, 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 wah. Always whining about the letter of the law and always missing the spirit. Isn't that true? Jesus says, look. When you eat food, it doesn't go into your heart, your mind, your heart. It doesn't go into your heart or your mind. It goes into your belly and then it's expelled. We all know what that means, right? Food. It can't defile you. It just goes in one end and out the other. But he said, Jesus said, what comes out of a person, that's what defiles him. For from within, out of people's hearts, minds, Come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, promiscuity, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All of these evil things come from within and they defile the person. All these things come through the mind. You want to get something different out of your mind? Put something different in. Right? I know it sounds so easy when you... Say it out loud, it's so hard to do. So now I want to make a couple distinctions, okay? There's a couple distinctions that we want to make about how stuff gets in your mind. Okay, so number one, um, we have to make a distinction about the ways that sin or evil get into your mind in the first place. So let's not miss this, but there's two ways that it gets in there. Number one, you're born with it. Okay, you're born with a fallen nature, a fallen mind. You're a sinner by birth. You don't become a sinner when you sin. You sin because you are a sinner. So there's there's something in the mind and the heart when you're born, you're born into sin. And when you're old enough, you say no and mine and you want your own way. And that's natural because some of the things that are in your mind, you are born with. And then secondly, some of it goes into your mind after you're born. Maybe someone hurts you when you're a child and you want to lash back at them and something came in, a hurtful event, a hurtful word, something happened. And so two ways that things get into your mind and both are real. We're born with sinful natures, that's real, and things come into our lives and they come into our minds. And then there's two ways that something gets into your mind after you're born. 
Okay, so we're born with a sin nature and things come in. And there's two ways that something comes into our mind after we're born. One of those ways is accidental and one of those ways is intentional. It happens to you all the time. It happens every day. It's happening right now. There's things that are going into your mind accidentally. You're listening. You're paying attention. You're not distracted. You're hearing my words and you're putting things into your mind. There's other things that are going into your mind intentionally. Maybe you are intentionally listening. Maybe you're looking at your phone. Maybe you're searching for the latest Facebook or the latest Instagram. You're doing that intentionally. You're putting that in your mind. That's intentional. So we're born sinners and then things happen to us. And then we break down what happens to us with what's accidental and what's intentional. You just can't stop the accidental stuff that happens in your life that affects your mind. You just can't stop it. Somebody's mean. Somebody's hurtful. Satan hates everything in the world that God made. Satan has corrupted everything good that God made. And if you don't guard your minds, if you don't watch what you accidentally put in, Satan's table is always set and he will spoon feed you till you die with evil and corruption and untruth and unpurity and things that aren't honorable. Satan has perverted gender, sexual intimacy, relationships. Satan's perverted drugs and medicine. Satan's perverted pictures and videos and movies and music and dancing and on and on and on it goes. Satan perverts it all. And some of that comes into your mind accidentally. And some of that comes into your mind intentionally. And all of us have had both of that happen. I have put things in my mind intentionally that I grieve and I repent. And I'm like, why? Why? I was working on this message here a week or two ago. And um, as I searched for some words in the Greek, something popped up about a, a major Christian leader in America who stumbled and fell with what was apparently some kind of immorality. And I found myself going, I wonder what happened. And I clicked on that and I'm like, oh, wow, that's too bad. So, well, I wonder, wonder what his role is now at the place where he was in leadership. What happened there? And I'm five minutes into this and I went, oh, my word, I'm doing it. I'm filling my mind with stuff. It might be true, but it's not honorable and it's not lovely and it's not commendable. It's not pure. And I'm like, stop, boom, out, done. I caught myself. And we should too. So some things come into your mind by accident and other things you put there. Now, the things that you put there, we break that down into two categories again. You can put bad things into your mind and you can put good things into your mind. Pretty simple, isn't it? Okay. We can put bad things in your mind or you can put good things. Bad things are sometimes your guard is just down. It just happens. Something happens. You didn't intend to see it or hear it or be there or do that. It was an accident. It just happened. Okay. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes we seek bad things. You're lonely. You're depressed. You're discouraged. You have anxiety and you seek bad things, which you think will numb the pain in your life. Sometimes you intentionally put bad things in your mind. But here's where it gets good. You also can intentionally put good things into your mind. Without effort in your life and in your mind, the bad things will always outnumber the good. It's just the way it works. Without effort and intentionality in your life, the bad things that go into your mind will always outnumber the good. There is a thousand ways that you can put good things into your mind. But let me give you the most important prerequisite. Okay? The most important 
prerequisite for what you put in your mind is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are not a Christian, if you don't have the Spirit of God working in your mind to bring you truth and what's honorable and pure, if you don't have that working in your life, the Spirit of God in your heart as a Christian, someone has repented of his or her sin, turned to Christ, trusted Christ, claiming his sacrifice to pay for your sins. If that hasn't happened in your life, when you work on your thinking, all you will ever be able to do is mitigate the bad responses of bad thinking. Did you get that? You'll only ever be able to just mitigate the bad responses. A very good friend of mine at Southern Seminary was, a, was a, a counselor, a Christian counselor. And I said, how do you counsel lost people? I, I don't know what you tell them. Because all you can do is just take away the, the circumstances that make their life uncomfortable. And then they still go on with, with, with what? And he says, well, he said it was challenging, but... He was a counselor. He wanted to help people. Without a relationship with God, the prerequisite, you can only mitigate the consequences of bad thinking. But if you're a Christian, if the Spirit of God is working in your life, if you have the mind of Christ, if you are growing in your mind with Christ, then you can inform your mind with things that take away not just the cause, but the consequences. I have a confession to make. I think it's important to share this. I told Pastor Jake before the service that I'm reading my Bible through this year and it has just blessed my soul. I haven't done it for 10 years. It's been 10 years since I read my Bible through. That's terrible. If you haven't read your Bible through yet or it's been a long time, start right now. Get the chart that Jake had in the bulletin. Get that and start reading. It has blessed my soul. I didn't know what I was missing. I get up in the morning. Sometimes it's in the afternoon because I have a busy morning. And I read that passage for the day. And I'm just looking for some kind of nugget. I'm not trying to write a sermon or do a Bible study or teach anybody else. I'm looking for some nugget for my soul. And God is so kind. He gives them. Read your Bible through. Get a devotional. Do something. Put that in your mind every day. I have been so blessed. The first thing you can do is read your Bible through. I did not know this, but I discussed this with my one coworker. Me and Mark worked together out at our shop, and I found out that Mark's reading his Bible through this year, too. And I went, get out. I think, God is my witness, I think almost every day this week while we were working, we discussed something from the Bible that was in our day-to-day reading of reading the Bible through for a year. What a blessing to my soul. That's putting good stuff in your mind. You can do that. Every day you can do that. Read your Bible through. Be in the Word. Read a devotional, share a devotional, come to a church service. You're here right now. Lord willing, something good is going into your mind if you're paying attention. I hope it is. Change a conversation. I remember one time when I was in seminary and we were walking from a class to a parking lot and a friend of mine said, that doctor so-and-so, he's so arrogant. And I remember thinking, wow, that's a bad thing to say. And I said, look, you didn't say it and I didn't hear it. What else do you want to talk about? Right? Change a conversation. You're having a conversation with someone. Your red flags are going up. You're going, I don't think this is going to go anyplace good. I don't think I want to talk about that person like that. Put the red flags up. Say, hey, can we talk about something else? They'll probably say, oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. They'll be thankful that you caught them. Change a conversation. Get some new friends. I had a farmer friend of mine when I was in the hog building business back in the 90s. And he had three children. And we were talking one time about what makes a difference in parenting. At that time, my kids were probably early teenagers. And he said, Kevin, the most important thing that I can think of is the friends that your kids pick are so important. 
Your kids get bad friends, evil friends, non-Christian friends. Not that that's a wrong thing, but they tend to pull them aside and pull them astray. And he said, having godly friends, Christian friends for my kids has been the most important thing, I think, for us as parents to help guide them in that direction. Get some new friends. Memorization. This is a good one for me. Last four or five months of my life, I've had a lot of crazy things going on and I've had some real estate stuff happening with my building and I have just been struggling like crazy to process, God, what are you doing here? I'm so confused. I don't get this. It it looks like it's going to go good and it looks like it's going to go bad and then I don't know and I've struggled and I found myself going to bed at night and quoting scripture and I don't even remember when I fall asleep. And I sleep. I go to bed, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is in heaven. Oh, by the way, in my life too, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Give us our daily bread. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'm still awake. Um, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. And before you know it, I'm waking up in the morning and I'm rested because I'm pumping my mind with something besides what happens if this deal goes bad in my life. Memorize Scripture. I think that might be the best one. And then lastly, I have some good news. I have some really good news. The constant message of the Bible is no matter what garbage accidentally comes into your mind, you can displace it with intentionality. No matter what garbage comes into your mind, you cannot read the Bible and come to a different conclusion. The constant, amazing work of the Spirit of God in your life is the ever-present Ongoing renewing of your mind. Praise the Lord. John Owen, pilgrim writer, appeared in a long, long time ago, said, it's a little hard, but hang on. The good that the mind cannot discover, the will cannot choose. Did you get that? The good that the mind cannot discover, the will cannot choose. You have to think it, embrace it, know it, and discover it so that you can choose it. Our text today is validated all over the Bible. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your minds on things above, and you will dwell with Christ forever. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Take every thought captive. Put that awful thought in jail and send them packing. 1 Thessalonians 4.13, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to be smart. Think about this stuff. 2 Timothy 2.7, think over what I say and the Lord will give you understanding. Psalms 104.34, may my meditation be pleasing to God. Meditate on what pleases God. His attributes, I want what's in my mind to please God. So here's how we're going to end real quick. The six things that are in the passage, we're going to explain what each of those words means. The six things we're to think on, how that thinking leads to doing, this will go real quick, and we're going to see what happens when we do it. So, now, there's some actions in your body that are called involuntary, okay? So, an involuntary action is your heart beats. It beats all the time, it's beating right now, and you can't stop that. I don't know anybody that can focus and make their heart stop beating, except for maybe Dale. Because Dale's heart stopped beating. And then, and God turned it back on. And now he's got something in there keeping that thing ticking right along. So, But you can't think hard enough to make your heart. Now, your breathing is automatic too, but you can stop it. You can go. 
hold your breath. For a while, you can stop it. If you open your eyes, they see. If you have sight, your ears hear. If there's noise around, it's hard to, to not hear. You can tune it out. This list is small, and most everything else that you do in your life, you have to think about. So the opposite of involuntary, okay, all these things happen, my my blinking, my breathing, my heart, all of those are involuntary. But the opposite of involuntary is not voluntary when it comes to our mind. It's intentional. So these things happen by accident. They just happen because I'm alive, and that's involuntary. But when it comes to the Word of God, I want to put these six things in my mind, and I want it to be intentional. I want to strive for that. So what are we supposed to put in our minds? Number one, true. True. The simplest way to say that what we put in our mind is truth is it's not the lies of Satan. That's the simple one right there. We could talk a hundred different things about what truth is, and it's in the Bible, and Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Everything that Satan says is a lie. Everything, the sinful world that Satan guides and directs and messes up, everything our world chases is a lie. True is in contrast to Satan's lies. God's word, God's word is true and Jesus was truth. True. Think about what's true. If you're fearful, then you're forgetting the truth that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. That's truth. If you're afraid, memorize Psalms 23, say it over and over again, and God may take away that fear. And then secondly, what's honorable? It's very interesting. This is worthy of respect. It's dignified. The simplest way to say this word, it's not trashy. And when I say trashy, you know what I mean. There's jokes you can't tell because they're trashy. There's things you shouldn't look at because it's trashy. There's conversations that you shouldn't have because they're trashy. Interesting word. Four times in the New Testament, one time right here in this passage, whatever is true and honorable, think about that. You know what the other three times that word shows up? The other three times that word shows up in the New Testament, every time is on a qualification for an elder in the church. A godly man leading a church is supposed to be honorable, not trashy. Thirdly, just. Really simple word, righteous. Righteousness, what's good, what's what's right from a right and wrong perspective. Just as righteous, it's, it's in perfect harmony with the holy God in Scripture. God is righteous. Think about what is just, what is righteous. Fourth, pure, morally clean, undefiled, not spoiled. Our culture is saturated with impurity. They wreck everything. They've wrecked leadership and men and women and and, and, and holy matrimony and relationships and money and our culture wrecks it all. We're supposed to think about what's morally clean, undefiled, and not spoiled by the world. And then lovely. It's a wonderful word. It means winsome and attractive. It's only here in the New Testament. The only time this particular word, only here in the New Testament, and it you it's used. Um, a form of this word, hognos, which means holy, is used in Titus 2.5 to describe the trait of a godly woman. And what it's talking about when, when a woman is supposed to have beauty that's not just on the outside but on the inside, it's not about having more beauty on the outside. It's having the inside beauty be the real beauty. And when you think about lovely, it's what's really beautiful. That person or that thing or that car might be beautiful. But is it really beautiful it's when the inside matches the outside. It's when it has true 
inner wonderful beauty. And lastly, commendable. Well thought of. If you're thinking something that you would have to be ashamed of, it's not commendable. And then he says in the last part of that verse 8, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. That might be better said for us to understand it because he's saying, okay, think on these six things. And if there's anything excellent, anything praiseworthy, think on that. Think of it this way. Because there's so much that's excellent and praiseworthy, why don't you think about that? And then he says, do. Do what you have received and learned and heard and seen in me. How the thinking leads to doing. We see the connection here. The longer you think about something, the more likely you are to do it. Do you get that? The longer you think about something, the more likely you are to do it. If you have a broken relationship in your mind, you get up every morning and you pray about God giving you a heart of forgiveness and you look at verses of forgiveness and you go to bed at night and pray for that person, you can only do that so long and you're going to forgive them, right? You think about something long enough, you're likely to do it and that works in the negative as well. Paul says, I've modeled good thinking. I want you to look at what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. It's a wonderful progression for parents and pastors and Bible study leaders and teachers to say, these people around me under my care are going to look at what they see and hear and learn and receive from me and it's going to impact their lives. And then lastly, what happens when we do it? This is the best part, you guys. When we do what we're talking about, the Bible says then the God of peace will be with you and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The God of peace will be with you. All this thinking and doing that we're talking about ends up being a peace sandwich. Okay, so last week, Pastor Jake looked at the verses before and it ended up saying, if you can do this, the peace of God will come into your life. There's the peace of God in verse seven. And then we're to think about all these things right here. And then if you do like I do on this, then you'll have the God of peace. So I got the peace from God. I got what I'm thinking about. And then I got the God of peace. It's a sandwich. We got peace on both sides of it. I'm getting the impression that if I get my mind organized and I think on right things, I'm going to have some peace. I just am getting that impression. See what's happening here? These two verses, you get much more than just right thinking. When you think on right things and you're doing what you think about and you're following Paul's example, God doesn't just give you the peace of God. He gives you the God of peace. You get it? When you move your thinking towards God and the Spirit directs that, you have the mind of Christ. When you move from the peace of God to the God of peace, you move from having a hamburger to going to McDonald's. You move from getting a verse in your life to getting the Bible. You move from getting a meal and getting a grocery store. You move from just getting $10 and having unlimited capital. This is not just getting peace from God, as in verse 7, this is getting the God of peace. 
It's getting the God of peace, a personal, real, intentional, satisfying, lovely, worthy of all praise God who dwells with you and in you. Beloved, this kind of peace is sitting on the shore, on the sands of an ocean during a hurricane and drinking iced tea in a lawn chair. Right? It's not just peace from God. I want that. But I want the God of peace. It's so much more. And this trans, this, this transition moves us from what we pray about, what we ask God about, and, the, and we'll get some peace from God to getting this. And I will have a peace in my life that is absolutely beyond imagination. You can't explain it. Look at everything that's happening in his or her life. And they're calm and they're peaceful. Man, I crave that in my life. Sadly, the way you get it is by having ways to practice. You all know that. You pour this kind of stuff into your mind, this true and honorable and lovely. You pour that kind of stuff into your mind day after day, day after day, day after day. You won't have a lot of room left for all the bad stuff, beloved. You want to kick your habit of looking at bad stuff? Put a whole bunch more good stuff in there. You want to know what peace is? Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. Yes, Lord. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Yes, Lord. He restores my soul. Yes, because it's aching. Restore it. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His sake. And even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to be afraid. That's peace. The enemy's all around us. Our enemy's coming against us. If I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I do not have to be afraid. You prepare a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Certainly goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of God forever. Sip an iced tea on a lawn chair in a hurricane. Beloved, let's strive to fill our minds with good thoughts and godly thoughts. If you look in your bulletins, there's a, I put a bookmarker in there. If you have that bulletin, I don't know if you saw that. If you don't have one, there's some more. But this is on the top, it says the 4 8 test. And we were using that in the house this week. Heidi and I, we were talking about stuff, and I said, Heidi, you know, I don't. I don't think this conversation passes the 4-8 test. I don't think this is true and honorable and lovely and commendable. And so I would encourage you, if you want, to think about that this week in your life or put that in your Bible or put it in your in your daily reading. But ask yourself, what I'm thinking right now, does that pass the 4-8 test? Is that, here it says, finally, brothers, whatever's true, noble, right. I don't think what I'm thinking right now passes the 4-8 test. Anywhere that you can be reminded that what you put into your mind controls the outcome of your life. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything praiseworthy, think on these things and then do what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want that in my life more than I want anything else. Father, I want to embrace the storms of life that come through the fingers of Your hand. And I want to totally rest in You because I have thought with the mind of Christ. In Jesus' name, Amen.